Well, here we are. Week three of our series, Barns, Talents, Camels and Needles. My name's Royce and I've got the pleasure to take you through this third week, it's the art of growing. So in week one, Wayne Kerrison took us through his message called Not Mine But His. And Wayne took us through the Bible from Genesis all the way through to Revelation with little bits and pieces thrown in between, proving beyond doubt that everything is God's, but we are his stewards of that. In week two, Katie talked about the rich fool, a parable that Jesus shared in the, in the Bible. And the rich fool saved everything up and he wanted bigger and bigger barns so he could retire early and live, up, live it up in luxury. And Katie explained there's nothing wrong with saving and being a good steward of, of what God has given you. But the rich fool made the mistake of doing this in a self-centred way. My message is the art of growing. And I want to take you through a parable of the talents which Jesus also shared. And it's recorded in the Bible in Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament or the new part of the Bible. Matthew and chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. Now we've got a clip to, uh, to sort of introduce the, the parable to you today. Um, as the guys get that ready, just a bit of background on this clip. It is a kid's clip. I went looking around for clips that talk, took us through this parable um, and some of them were fairly average, to be honest. So the best one I found was this kid's clip and uh, we're just going to play that for you right now. So enjoy. Once upon a time, there was a man about to go on a journey. This is a story Jesus told called a parable. This man had three servants. Before he left for his trip, he called them to watch over his money. To one, he gave five bags of gold. Ah. To another, he gave two bags. Yahoo! And to another, he gave one bag. Woohoo! After he did this, the master left on his journey. The man who'd received five bags of gold immediately put his money to work, gaining five more. The one with two bags did the same and gained two more. But the man who had received the one bag of gold left, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master returned to collect his money. The man who had received five bags of gold returned his gold first. Master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold, and I've gained five more. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now, I will put you in charge of many things. The man who was given two bags came next. Master, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold, and I've gained two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, I was afraid I'd disappoint you, so I buried your gold. Here it is back. You wicked and lazy servant. You should have put my money in the bank so I'd at least get interest back. Huh? I'm sorry, my servant, but you are fired. We have no use for you here. As I've said before, whoever is faithful with a little will be trusted with a lot. You were not faithful with a little, so I cannot trust you anymore. This was the parable of the bags of gold. We must all be faithful with what God has given us, because it all belongs to Him. If you do that, you will surely be blessed. And being blessed by God 
is the greatest it can get. The end. Well, there it is. Amazing clip. The graphics, the arms that go like this, and the acting. You should have seen some of the other clips. That was the best of a bad bunch. Got a couple of questions for you this morning. First question is, if everything we have is actually God's, would he want us to try and grow it? Secondly, are we allowed to create wealth for God's kingdom? You just saw that parable there, which clearly outlines a master who entrusted his servants with his wealth. And he expected a return on that. And the master went away. And Jesus tells this parable as an analogy of himself. Because Jesus was about to go away, to leave the earth. He was about to go to the cross and die. And he was going away. He was telling his disciples, I'm entrusting you with my message. And he obviously wanted that message to grow. The Bible said it's God's will that all men shall be saved. And in this example, the talents, it uses wealth. But I believe that growing is, is broader than just money. It's about growing God's kingdom. Money's a part of that. It's interesting in um, Matthew 25, verse 21, where the first servant had the, the five talents and the master went away, came back and said, I've, give, I've created five more. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. This concept of being faithful with what God has given us to steward, which leads to a greater, uh, I guess, trust from him to give us more so that we can be faithful over the more. And you can see where this is going. But the, the alternate to that is the servant that had the one talent and he put the talent away and hid it so he could return it to the master. And he didn't bother trying to grow it. He didn't put himself out there and have a go. And in Matthew 25, Ethel about it. Again, alternately, in Matthew 26 and 27, the message, when the master is talking to the servant that didn't do so well, says the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. So you can see that there are, there's a way to use our resources that, that God would prefer, that God wants us to use our resources in that way. You know, at the start of the year, pre-COVID, do you think that's going to become a thing? BC, before COVID. Um, Steve Fitzalan, our senior minister here, preached a message. And he challenged us as a, as a community to seek a word for the year. And I guess more by chance than anything, I happened to get one. A lot of my life goes that way. Um, 
more fortune than uh, planning. But I was reading in the message, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11 to 13. This is going to be my other major passage this morning. It reads, reads this. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. If you read that passage in a different version of the Bible, it seems slightly different. Just the message had a way to bringing that out and just bringing it to life for me in that moment. And that word expand kind of jumped out at me. And I feel like my word for this year that God's got for me is to expand. My previous word was actually robustness, to be robust. And I think the, the two go hand in hand. But I'll talk a little bit, a bit more about that in a moment. So this word expand comes. So does God want me to eat more? Um, does, do Tony and I have a little secret to tell everybody about our family? No, I think it's something different than that. And I'm still, to be honest, I'm still grappling with that word expand. It's very strange that my word is expand for the year and here we are, still in kind of in isolation, not able to gather together. And uh, at times, I'm still working from home, for instance, and my word is to expand. Like, how do I do that? I've been thinking about that and what we see in our lives as expansion, I don't think God sees it that way. So we've got the parable of talents, which speaks of growing the wealth that God has given us, growing the talent in this instance, growing what God has given us to be stewards of. And then this message from Paul to the Corinthians to live openly and expansively. So what I want to do is I want to look at an example of, of how this plays out in somebody's life. And I can think of no one better than Joseph. Uh, Joseph's story starts at the end of Genesis, which is the first book in the Old Testament. And actually, Genesis 37 verse 5 is where I want to pick up the story. So Joseph was one of 12 boys, son of Jacob, and Joseph was actually the 11th of 12. He was the second youngest. But he was the oldest son of Rachel, who Jacob loved. So in many ways, it was a bit of a favourite to Jacob. And uh, the story goes that Jacob made him a coat of many colours and gave him this coat, and I guess the other brothers were a little bit jealous of him. But in Genesis 37.5, it gives an account of a dream that Joseph had. And Joseph had this dream where they were bundling up their wheat as, you know, as brothers, and the brothers' sheaths of wheat bowed down to his sheep. Cool dream. I'm going to rule. That's all right. He was a bit silly, though, because he told his brothers about the dream. And of course, they said, what, are we going to bow down to you? And became quite jealous. 
not having learned his lesson, Genesis 37.9 tells us about a second dream he had and that this dream goes where the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to him. Kind of another dream where God was telling Joseph that there was going to be something special up ahead in his future. Again, he told his brother. And uh, when he told this dream to his father and brothers, his father reprimanded him. What's with all this dreaming? Am I and your mother and your brothers all supposed to bow down to you? Now his brothers were really jealous, but his father brooded over the whole business. You, keep, you go on and read the story, and uh, in Genesis 37:23, the brothers were so jealous that they threw Joseph into a cistern or a pit, and they were going to leave him there to die. You imagine that, your 11 brothers, probably the people that you know the best, the people you're closest to in your whole world, decide to do away with you and they throw you into a pit to die. You imagine being in that pit, thinking those rotten brothers are mine. Here I am in this pit, left for dead. I don't know how long he was in the pit. You imagine the challenge of keeping your thoughts right. You're in this pit, you're in solitary confinement, being put there by your brothers, probably left for dead. I imagine the thoughts he would have had. What did I ever do to them? Why is this happening to me? Why me? What about God's dreams? So much for bow, you know, them bowing down to me. Here I am, I'm going to die in this pit. You can imagine all the negativity that would have crept into his thinking. I was pondering that. And God spoke to me and said, you know, sometimes in our greatest downtimes, that's where we expand the most. You imagine the growth in Joseph's character as he warded off those negative thoughts, as he made a decision, no, I'm not going to think those thoughts. I'm sure they had their reasons. And you imagine the strength of character he found in that pit. Story goes on, Joseph was pulled out of that pit because Judah, one of the brothers, maybe had a soft spot for him and felt sorry for him and thought, right, we can do better than this. So seizing on an opportunity, some Midianite traders were going past and Judah conned the other brothers, let's get him out of the pit, we'll sell him onto these traders, at least we'll get some money for him. So that's what they did. So all of a sudden, things are looking slightly better. He's not going to die in a pit, but now he's been sold to traders and he's going off with them. So he gets sold to a guy called Potiphar. Things are looking up. Gets put in charge of Potiphar's household. Genesis 39 recaps it. It says this. After Joseph had been taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, Potiphar, an Egyptian, one of Pharaoh's officials, so this guy was a big deal, and the manager of his household bought him from them. As it turned out, God was with Joseph and things went very well with him. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. His master recognised that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything he did. 
He became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all of his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian, all because of Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned, at home and in the fields, and all Potiphar had to concern himself with was eating three meals a day. When I was reading that, I realised that this favour that God put on Joseph is available to us. It's available to me. God's favour to live an open and expansive life is available to all those that would seek it today. And as you see in this story, nothing could stop this expansiveness in Joseph's life that God had obviously blessed him with. He got thrown in a pit, didn't stop it. He got sold into slavery, didn't stop it. You see that wherever Joseph went, this growth followed him. Why is that? Why is that? I believe it's because of the decisions he made. Because at every low point, he fixed his eyes on on God and he made good quality decisions. And you can see, God blessed the home of Potiphar all because of Joseph. There's another twist in this tale to come. It goes on in Genesis 39 and verse 19. And see, what happens is Potiphar's wife gets a bit of a crush on Joseph and tries to convince Joseph to, uh, you know, get a bit closer to her. And uh, she must nag him a bit, I think. Eventually, this one day, she pulls at his, his jacket or his coat and he gets out of his coat and he escapes. Does the right thing. Still making those quality decisions. Anyway, the wife goes to Potiphar and says, you know what, this Joseph guy, he's been all over me. And she twists the story on him, basically tells lies and tells Potiphar that Joseph's been trying to hit on her, not the other way around. Genesis 39 says, When his master heard his wife's story telling him, These are the things your slave did to me, he was furious. Joseph's master took him, threw him into the jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. But there in jail, God was still with Joseph. Another twist in the story, but God is faithful. He reached out in kindness to him. He put him on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. Sound familiar, doesn't it? He ended up managing the whole operation. Head jailer gave Joseph free reign, never even checked up on him because God was with him. Whatever he did, God made sure it worked out for the best. Nothing could keep Joseph down. It's interesting because I look back on this COVID period and I look at what God's done in my life during this period. And even though I've been working from home and at my, at my job, everything's sort of tightened up and revenue has been dropping and 
In the midst of that, I got a new car, a new company car in the midst of all of that. Then not long after that, I got a promotion (laughs) in a crisis. Amazing. Amazing. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for you, who can stand against you? Look at the life of Joseph as an example of this. So here he is in prison, he's in charge of prison, and the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh are in jail with him. And they have dreams, and uh, Joseph explains their dreams to them. And he acknowledges God in that. He says, who is the giver of dreams but God? So he leans on his relationship with God, and on behalf of God, he gives the cupbearer and the baker some wisdom. Long story short, a couple of years later, when they've forgotten about Joseph, Pharaoh has a dream himself. And uh, there's a reminder that Joseph was an interpreter of dreams and he was in prison. So they bring him out of prison. And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams for him. uh, Pharaoh's response is pretty incredible. Here's this guy straight out of jail. Pharaoh doesn't know who he is. Interprets a dream for Pharaoh. Pharaoh responds in this way. And this is in Genesis 40, verses 39 to 40. Pharaoh said to Joseph, You're the man for us. God has given you the inside story. No one is as qualified as you in experience and wisdom. From now on, you're in charge of my affairs. All my people will report to you. Only as king will I be over you. So Pharaoh commissioned Joseph, I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his finger and slipped it on Joseph's hand. He outfitted him in robes of the finest linen, put a gold chain around his neck. He put the second-in-command chariot at his disposal. And as he rode, people shouted, Bravo! Expansion. You see this common thread in Joseph's life where God expanded his life, expanded his wealth, his stewardship, Don't ever think that the Egyptians didn't live in luxury. He would have had it all, Joseph. He was in charge of all of Egypt. Came from an Israelite family of 12 brothers. Got thrown in a pit by his brothers. Gets out of that pit, sold into slavery. Rises again. His world expands. Ends up in jail. Keeps his attitude right. His world expands again until all of a sudden he finds himself in charge of all of Egypt. Wayne hit on a verse which he away by his family in a little basket lined with pitch so it wouldn't sink and he gets put on the river. And his story is also one of unbelievable expansion. From that humble beginning he too ends up in the house of Pharaoh and gets treated as one of Pharaoh's sons. Eventually becomes the deliverer of all of Israel 
leads Israel out of slavery and eventually leads them into the promised land, although he didn't get to go in. But Nevertheless, he was the lead of Israel for many years and he spoke with God in an intimate way. So you can see it's fairly clear that God wants us to live in an open and expansive way and he wants us to grow the resource that he's given us, whether it be your time, whether it be your money. Certainly he wants to grow our characters. But it's very clear that God wants us to be good stewards of what he's given us so he can give us more and we can also be blessed to be a blessing. That might look different for you compared to me. You know, in that story of the talents, God gave five to one, five to another, and one to the third. Five to one, two to another, and one to the third, sorry. So he he had different expectations, and the expectations God has of me will be different to what he has of you. But I believe with all my heart that God wants us to live openly and expansively and to be good stewards of what he's given us and to grow his kingdom in partnership with him. You might be listening in today and you're wondering what this is all about. You too can become a partner with God. It's a simple prayer. Because God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So as I finish today, I just want to say a prayer, and it's a prayer that I said in 1994, December 7. I remember it clearly. It's a prayer that changed my life, and it can change your life too. Make the decision to enter into this open and expansive life that God has got for you. And it starts with a simple prayer. Let me lead you in that prayer now. Dear Lord, I thank you that you want the best for us, that you have everything planned for us, everything good planned for us. And Lord, you made it possible by giving your son for us. You sent your son to die on a cross so that we might live. Your son died and took on our sins or our wrongdoings, even though he was perfect, he took those on himself. And he got rid of those on our behalf so that we can be in right standing with you and in right relationship with you. So Lord, we receive again your grace and your mercy and that amazing gift that you gave to us when you sent your son to die for us. Lord, we declare that we believe in Jesus. We believe that he died for our sins and we receive that gift again afresh today. Lord, we want to live our lives for you. We want to live an open and an expansive life for you. We want to enjoy your wonderful favour on our lives. We want people to see your favour in our lives and see that you have made a difference and maybe that you could make a difference in their life as well. 
Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And if you are here and that prayer resonated with you, please get in touch with us. We'd love to explain more to you, explain more to you about this life that we live and the life that we've found here at Door of Hope. Thank you for listening. Amen.